Hello everyone, welcome to Summit Church Fenton. I'm so glad you joined me today. I look forward to sharing the Word of God with you. Last week I began a series on Realms of Authority, and if you missed that session, I'd like to invite you to go into our archives and listen to it. I think it would be helpful to you as you listen to this message today. Um, last week, uh, we brought out that we have great authority in the name of Jesus. We as Christians have great authority in the name of Jesus, but that authority will not work unless we are in the proper realm or unless certain conditions are met. And uh, one of the conditions uh, brought this out last week is seen in James 4, verse 7. The Bible says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Well, you see, one condition that has to be met is we have to be submitted to God. If we're not submitted to God, then uh, when we resist the devil, he won't flee from us. So you see, a condition must be met before we can effectively use the name of Jesus and see the devil flee. Uh, and, uh, uh, and also, on top of that, there are certain realms in which we can successfully use the name of the Lord Jesus and, uh, and, and get r results. And there's other realms that we, we, uh, you know, uh, can't use that authority at, nearly as effectively. And that's, that's what I want to talk about, uh, with you today. Um, now, wh when I say that there's certain areas in which we can't use the name of the Lord Jesus uh, effectively, sometimes people balk at that and, uh, they say, well, how, you know, how can that be? Well, uh, if you go to Mark the sixth chapter, Mark the sixth chapter, you'll see that Jesus himself, he went into his hometown of Nazareth and look at Mark the sixth chapter in the first verse. It, the, the Bible says he went out from there and came to his own country, that's Nazareth, and his disciples followed him. And look at verse five. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Now, it's interesting. You see, when I, when I say that, hey, we have authority in the name of Jesus, everybody says, amen, pastor. But when I say that that authority won't work in every realm or unless certain conditions are met, then people kind of begin to wonder if I'm telling them the truth or not. But here's, a, here's an example where Jesus himself, the Lord himself, I mean, here he is with all authority and all power in his earthly ministry. And he goes into Nazareth his hometown, and he can do no mighty work there. See, he was in a realm, though he had authority, he was in a realm where that authority, that power wouldn't work. And, and if you study into it, you see that the reason it wouldn't work is because the people there were not believers. They, they, they didn't believe on him. And because of that, uh, he was limited into, uh, he's limited as to what he could do there. And so we need to understand that, that just because we've been given the name of Jesus, um, and we have been, and we have great authority in that name, there are certain areas, certain realms where, where, where that authority is just not going to work. And we see it with Jesus himself in his, uh, in, in, in his own hometown. He could, it didn't say he wouldn't do, it said he could do no mighty work there, except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, but he couldn't do any mighty miracles there because of their unbelief. See, there was a realm in which his, his, the, the, his power was, was limited, if you will. And that's what I'm trying to get you to see and understand. Now, we also must know 
that we have authority over ourselves. I, as a husband, have authority over my wife. You know, certainly we have authority over our households. We have authority over our children. We need to understand that. It's interesting, and you can see this in Mark, the seventh chapter. I'm I'm not going to read it for the sake of time. You can look up Mark chapter seven, verses 24 to 30. But there was this Syrophoenician lady, and uh, she brought, uh, well, she came to Jesus. She had a young daughter who was demon-possessed. And she came to Jesus on behalf of her young daughter. And I want to stress the word young there or emphasize the word young. She came on behalf of her young daughter and uh, who was demon possessed. And uh, Jesus sent the word of God and, and this, this girl was, was set free of the demon. But it's interesting to note there that the woman came on behalf of her young daughter. See, that daughter was under this woman's authority. And uh, as a result... Uh, she came to Jesus and because that, that, that daughter of hers was young, she had authority over her, that, that power of God just flowed and it worked, it worked just like a charm and that girl was, was set free. I, I also think of like Jairus in scripture, you know, he, he was a man that came to Jesus. His daughter had, had died. Well, actually she was sick and he came to Jesus in the meantime, while he was coming to get Jesus, the daughter died. But uh, Jesus went over and, and raised her from the dead. But it's interesting, Jairus's daughter was 12 years old. She was a young girl. See, Jairus had authority over her There's, because she was a young girl. See, we have authority over our children as long as they're young, you see. Uh, and and uh, there was another man who, he had an epileptic son. And he brought, uh, well, actually, he didn't bring the ch- well, uh, I, I don't remember if he brought the child to Jesus or not, but whether he did or he didn't, you can look it up for yourself, give you something to look up. But he, he came to Jesus on behalf of his son. I believe the son was there with him because I think he took him to the disciples and they couldn't cast the, it was a demonic power that had a hold of the son. The demon had, a, had, had, had control of him and the disciples couldn't cast him out. I talked about this at great length back when I talked just a few weeks ago in the spirit realm. But uh, so if, you, if you're interested in that, you can go look that up and, and, and I, I detail the whole thing. But, uh, but the point is the boy was young and the disciples couldn't cast the demon out. And I went through all that in, a, in that former message. But, but Jesus cast him out. But for the point of this message, it was a young boy. So, you know, as long as our children are young, we have authority over them. And, and I, I've heard different testimonies over the years where people have said, you know, as long as my children were young, I, the sickness would hit their body. I could pray for them and, uh, and, and they'd be, they'd be instantly healed. But as they got older, it seemed like when I prayed for them, I, I, I that healing didn't come as quickly or in some cases, not at all. And, uh, it, it, it's interesting that we're talking about realms of authority. Young children, you see, they have to be taught. Just like they have to be taught natural things, they have to be taught in spiritual things. And as children grow up uh, uh, and, and they get older, see, they they have to be taught that at, at a certain point, they have to resist the devil in the name of Jesus for themselves. They have to resist sickness and disease, you know, for themselves. And, uh, and, and children have to be taught that. And I've watched, in, in pastoring almost three decades, I've watched a lot of... Uh, 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 parents and grandparents, they get so frustrated because 
when the kids were little, they, you know, the sickness had hit their body. And as I said, they could pray, see him, see him healed, you know, so, sometimes almost instantly. But as the child got older, the, 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 it didn't seem like the prayers were working as well. Well, you, you need to understand that as a child grows, they get to a point, they need to be trained because they get to a point where they have to stand on their own authority and they have to use the name of Jesus for themselves. Now, I'm not saying that you can't pray for your children, for your grandchildren, absolutely do that. But I'm just saying, as far as talking about realms of authority, you need to realize that just like children grow up naturally and have to stand eventually on their own two feet in the natural realm, you know, spiritually it's the same thing. And uh, I say this to you because a lot of times uh, I've had uh, parents, grandparents come to me and they say, well, as long as the children were small, you know, uh, I could get results, but I can't get the results anymore like I used to. Well, it's because uh, that child can get, they grow to an age and what that age is, I think it's different for each child, but they get to a point where they have to learn that they have authority in the name of Jesus and they have to exercise that for themselves. So I trust that might be helpful to somebody out there that's listening. Also, here's another situation. It's found in Matthew, the eighth chapter. And uh, let's read a few verses here. This is uh, the centurion and his servant. We're talking about realms of authority. Look at Matthew 8, verse 5. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Now, he said, my servant. See, this, this, this guy was under the centurion's authority. And the centurion comes to Jesus on behalf of his servant. And the centurion answered and said, after the Lord said, I'll come heal him. He said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. And he said, uh, and, and he goes on and he says, I'm a man under authority. See, this guy understood authority. And he said, I'm a, I'm a man under authority. Remember, you can't exercise authority until you're willing to submit to authority. And, and I talked about that at great length last week. But he said, I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go and he goes. To another, come and he comes. And to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I've not found such great faith, not in Israel. Then verse 13, then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Now, it's interesting here as you study this, the, the servant that was sick, he was under the centurion's authority. And the centurion came to Jesus on behalf of his servant and the power of God flowed and worked just like a charm, you know, and the, and the, and the servant was healed. And, and again, talking about realms of authority, I've had people come to me, uh, many of them over the many years, and they would say, Pastor Terry, will you pray? Because they, they find out, you know, or they know that, that, that God had given me a healing ministry. And, uh, 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 they'd say, Pastor Terry, will you pray for so and so? And, and the, and the person wasn't there in the building. They were, you know, in another city or another town or sometimes in a hospital or whatever. They'd say, would you pray for so and so? And what I would do, now certainly we can always pray for people. Yes, yes, yes. But, but listen carefully. I would say to them, I would say, well, what is your relationship to that person? And so many times it would just be uh, somebody that they, they, they had, there was no structure of authority. It was just, it was just for a, 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 you know, a, a friend that they had or whatever. And, and we would pray and, and, and sometimes we'd get results. Sometimes we wouldn't, but, but I said all that to say this, where we would get, I mean, some really 
powerful results is when people would come to me and they would say, well, it's, it's, it's my young child or it's, it's somebody that they had authority over. And then uh, I, would, I would pray for that person. And the Bible says that God would send his word and heal people and I would send the word of God to him in the name of the Lord Jesus. You understand, I just use the, I can't heal anybody. I can't heal anybody no more than you can heal anybody. I can't heal anybody. But, but we can take the authority that's in the name of Jesus and I take the authority in the name of Jesus. And when that person came to me on behalf of somebody else, when they had authority over the person that, that I was praying for, man, I tell you what, we, we would see some of the most tremendous, tremendous uh, uh, results and testimonies out of that. And so we have to understand that, that there's realms of authority. Again, I'm not saying we can't pray for people and, and, and that, that we don't have direct authority over. Certainly we can. But I'm just saying when you can line... <laughs> Well, you can line this thing up where, where you're praying in, in, in a godly authority structure. Now, I tell you what, the power of God will flow and people will be helped and set free. And, uh, and, and I saw that many times over the years where people would come on behalf of their young child or, or, you know, or behalf of somebody that they had authority over and we'd pray for them. We'd, we'd see great results. Now, something else I want to, uh, to, to, to say to you is, is found in Matthew, the eighth chapter. I want to, I want to look at this. Jesus, uh, we talked about how he could, uh, in his hometown do no mighty work, but we're talking about realms of authority. If you go and you look at the situation with Jesus and Peter's mother-in-law, when Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, and you can see it in Matthew eight, Mark 1 and Luke 4. And it's interesting, in Matthew 8 and Mark 1, you see you have to put Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John together to get the full picture. John does not give this account, so you have to read it, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But in Matthew and Mark, it says that Jesus touched her by the hand. You know, she had a high fever and all that. He touched her by the hand and, 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 and she was healed and all of that. But in Luke 4 you see something here that has to do with realms of authority. Look at this. Uh, Luke 4, verse 38. Jesus arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house, and Simon's wife's mother was sick with eye fever. Now watch this. Now you won't get this in Matthew 8 and Mark 1, but Luke brings it out. He says, They made request of him concerning her. And he stood over her, rebuked the fever, it left her, and immediately she arose and served them. Well, uh, Matthew and Mark doesn't say he rebuked the fever, but he, 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 he did rebuke the fever. He spoke to the fever. But for the point of this message, he didn't do anything until they made request of him concerning her. You see, you need to understand that, that you don't have authority in somebody else's household. Now you have authority in your house. You have authority over you and your household. You understand that? We just talked about that. You know, over, you know, the husband has authority over his wife. And said a lot about that last week. We have authority over our children, you know, and, and, and our young, particularly our young children, you know. We just talked about that. But uh, but you don't have authority in somebody else's house unless they, they give you that authority. You need to realize that. I made some statements about it last week, but it bears repetition. Jesus, the Lord himself, he went into Simon Peter's house. And it's interesting, he didn't do anything there concerning the healing of the mother-in-law until they asked him to. I tell you what, we need to realize that. We need to understand that. 
that, that, that we have authority in our own house over our, our, our own, our immediate family. You, you need to understand that. But you go to somebody else's household, you don't have authority there unless they give you authority there. And it's, this always, uh, been very, uh, interesting to me that Jesus didn't do anything there until they made request of him. I know as a pastor, I've gone over to many people's houses over many years. And uh, I won't, in fact, I won't even pray over the food unless they ask me to. See, now when those folk, their church members, when they're at the church, when they're in the four walls of the church, see, I have an authority there that, that, I, that I could exercise that I don't have over at their house unless they give it to me, you see. And, uh, and, I, and, and Jesus, he didn't operate in the healing ministry at Peter's house until they asked him. We need to realize that. We, I'm just trying to get across to you that we just can't take the name of Jesus and just wield it and yield, you know, wield it anywhere and everywhere we go. Because a lot of people have done that over the years and, and no results. And then they say, well, the name of Jesus doesn't work. No, the name of Jesus works and there's great power in that name, but there's certain conditions that must be met there and there's certain realms we must be in for it to work. You need to realize that. And, uh, I think about, um, uh, well, well, like for example, if you go to Luke the 10th chapter, when Jesus sent out his disciples, he said to them, whatever city you enter and they receive you, he said, heal the sick that are there. And then he said, he went on to say, if they don't receive you, you know, just knock the dust off your feet concerning it. What I draw from that is, as it pertains to this message, is that, you know, if, you know, if we go to somebody else's house and, and they, they don't receive us, we, have, we, we don't have any authority there. And his disciples, see, he sent his disciples out and he said, go out, heal the sick, cast out demons, you know, and use, use his name. And, 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 but, but he also said that, I put it in my own words, it was only going to work in the places where they received uh, the disciples. Places that wouldn't receive them, uh, it, 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 it wouldn't work. No more than Jesus could get people healed in Nazareth because of their unbelief. He couldn't get people healed there, though he's the Lord himself, uh, anointed with the Holy Ghost without measure. But yet, in that realm where they were unbelieving, he couldn't get anybody healed. And uh, his disciples, uh, you know, there were places they went that, that if they, right here in Luke 10, it says, if they wouldn't receive you, the implication is they weren't going to be able to, to do any good with the name of Jesus. You need to understand that. See, the name of Jesus works. There's power in it. But we have to understand that conditions must be met. We must be submitted to God. And there's certain areas, realms where we can use the authority in the name of Jesus and certain realms where we can't. And uh, like, like at another person's house, like I just said, when Jesus went over to Peter's house, he, he didn't go in there and do anything until he was asked. I remember some years ago, I, I shared this story back when I was talking about uh, uh, the spirit realm, but it bears repetition. There was a, a fellow that came to me. He would attend our church periodically, but he came to me and he said, Pastor Terry, he said, I bought a house and he said, I rented it out. And he said, the renters have called me now on several occasions there. He said, there's it's scaring the tar out of them. He said, there's rapping on the walls at night. And he said, uh, I, I, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. They're scared. I, I'm scared. I don't know what to do. Can't explain it. 
Well, he said, I think it's demonic. Well, it was. And he said, can you do anything? And I said, well, I I can't, but I tell you what, we can take the name of Jesus and stop that if you'll give me the authority to do it. And he said, absolutely. And all I did, I said something like in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the head of the church, I speak to that demonic power that's causing uh, the, the rapping on those walls, cease and desist in your operation there at that house, something like that. And he came back some weeks later. He said, Pastor Terry, ever since you made that declaration of faith, he said, he said, all the knocking on the walls has stopped. Now, I can't do anything. Devil's not afraid of me, but he is afraid of who's backing me up. That's Jesus, you see. But I couldn't have done anything there if that guy hadn't given me authority to do so, you see. So, I, so <laughs> it's like Jesus, when he went to Peter's house, he had no authority there Huh? Well, he's the Lord. He can do whatever he wants, wherever. Huh? Now, wait a minute. He couldn't in Nazareth. And he couldn't have at Peter's house if they hadn't asked him. See, it's this way because that's the way God set it up. You know, yes, God is all powerful, but the way he set things up, there's realms of authority. And there, 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 there's realms that, that the power of God will flow in, and then there's realms that it won't. Remember, God, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, but, 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 and the Bible says the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he's given to the children of men. And remember, God gave this earth to Adam, and Adam gave it over to the devil. And Jesus came, he got that authority back, but the devil still has a legal right to be here. And he goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But we need to be unignorant of his devices. We need to know some things about the devil and we can rise up in the name of Jesus. And if we've met the condition of being submitted to God and we're flowing in the proper realms, I tell you what, we can use the authority of G- in the name of Jesus and just run the devil out, bless God. But sad to say, so many Christians are unlearned concerning the authority that they have in the name of Jesus. And so they never operate in that authority. Others have heard that they have authority in the name of the Lord, but they don't know anything about the different realms of authority. And so they think they could just use the name of Jesus just wherever wherever they go and run the devil out. And you can't get the devil out of somewhere where that where the people there want him operating. You need to realize that. I'll say more about that in a moment. But but nonetheless, uh, we have to understand the realms in which we have authority. If we'd understand that, I think uh, we, we'd get we'd get far better results in resisting the devil. Now, it's interesting. Uh, if you go to uh, Revelation, the second chapter, I want to bring something out here. It's interesting that there was a church in the city of Pergamos, and in Revelation, the second chapter, verse thirteen, the Lord says to them excuse me, says to them through the Apostle John, he says, I know your works, where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Well, actually, this is uh, Satan's seat of authority. The devil evidently had had great authority in this city. There were people in this city, probably governmental leaders, that, that, that were yielding themselves to the devil, and the devil had great authority in this city. And there was a church there in the city of Pergamos, and Jesus is writing to the church, and and he says, I know where you dwell. And he's saying, hey, I know that Satan has great authority in that city. And then he, he commends them for some things. But then in verse 14, he says, he says, uh, he says, I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold to the doctrine of Balaam. And, uh, and then he says, you have those who hold in verse 15, the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Now, They had people in their church that were holding the false doctrine. 
See, and, and, and I've learned this in the ministry. There are some times where people will hold on to things. And I tell you, we can take the name of Jesus and try to, to break the power of it and whatnot. But if somebody wants to hold on to something that's wrong and they're doing that at their own free will, there's nothing you can do. Listen, you cannot violate the will of a person. God will not violate anybody's will, and neither can you, and neither can I. And if somebody wants to hold on to something, there's nothing we can do about it. The only thing we can do about it really is go talk to them, try to to share the light of the gospel with them. We can pray that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. But if somebody is holding on to something, and I'm talking spiritually so, and they want to hold on to it, there's nothing you can do uh, other than what I just said to get them free. I know, I'll give you an example. A lot of times people are taught when they're really young, and usually this is what happens. People get taught when they're young wrong things and boy, it's hard to get, get them, turn loose of them. But one thing people are taught is that, well, if you're just a good person, you'll go to heaven. Well, yeah, I believe in being a good person, but the Bible teaches that we have to receive the Lord Jesus Christ and be born again. And, and be, just being in and of, of ourselves, being a good person isn't going to get us to heaven. We have to have faith in the Lord. But see, a lot of people are taught as kids, well, just be a good person and you'll go to heaven. I tell you what, I've dealt with many such people over the years and it's hard to get them to turn loose of that fault, that wrong teaching. It's just wrong teaching. I believe in being a good person, but just in and of that, in of being a good person won't get you saved. You got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And people that do that then, then ought to be good people and do good things. You understand. But when somebody ha- has a hold of, of, well, if I'm a good person, I'm going to go to heaven. And they're taught that as a child and they want to hold on to that. Boy, it's hard to get them to turn loose of it. And uh, I've learned it. You, it's hard to even talk people out. You can't talk people out of, I've tried to talk people out of false doctrine. You can't do it. The only thing you can do really is just pray that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened that they'd be able to see it. But I, I say this because about holding on to something. I, I, the Lord's given me a healing ministry. We saw a lot of people healed over many years, but uh, didn't get everybody healed. You know, again, Jesus didn't get everybody healed. He didn't get everybody healed in Nazareth. But I tell you what, there's places he went where they believed on him, trusted in him. And man, everybody got healed. But, but there's a couple of people that I'm thinking of over the years that uh, they would hold, they, two people I'm thinking of, they held on to a spirit of infirmity. I mean, these two people were sick all the time. If it wasn't their ankle bone, it was their tailbone. If it wasn't their tailbone, it was their backbone. If it wasn't their back, you know, tailbones connected to the, it was always something hurting. It was always sickness, always a cold, always a, a flu, always a virus, always a ear, inf- I mean, always a leg, pain, all, back, pain, all the time. I mean, went on for years and years and years. And finally, the Lord revealed it to me that they had a spirit of infirmity. And what it did was it drew attention to them. When they'd come into the church, everybody would gather around them and start patting them on the head. And, oh, you poor thing, you poor thing. Now, we at the church, we, we, we'd we have given them attention anyway. They didn't have to be sick to have attention. But the point is, is this sickness brought them attention. And everybody, not everybody, but most people gather around them and, oh, you poor baby. And they held on to that spirit of infirmity. And I, and I, and I, in fact, I talked to the one lady about it privately and, and she, that's the way, you know, she, she couldn't, couldn't talk her out of it, couldn't cast it out of her, couldn't cast off of her, wasn't in her, it was on her, it was in her, in her body causing all kinds of ailments. I couldn't get her free because she was holding on to it. We're talking about realms of authority. See, if people want to hold on 
to, uh, to false teaching or sickness or disease, I tell you what, you can't, you can't, you can't get them well, you know, and, uh, Say, would somebody want to hold on to sickness and disease? Well, remember when Jesus met that man at the pool of, I think it was pool of Bethesda, he said, do you want to be made well? And so that guy said, oh, but I don't have no man to put me in the water. See, there's sometimes people just want to hold on to sickness and disease and the false things, false teaching. I, I know this, you can hold on to, to traditions of men and make the word of God of no effect. But the point is, if somebody wants to hold on to sickness or disease, you're not going to be able to get them free. No matter no matter what you do, the best thing you can do is just pray that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened. Okay, now let me just say this as I begin to close here. Don't forget that people are free moral agents and their wills cannot be violated. And I say that, I think about, remember the maniac of Gadara? Remember uh there were really, if you read Matthew's account, there were two demon-possessed men, all right? But Mark and Luke bring out the one that got delivered. And it's interesting, the one that got delivered, the Bible says he came and worshiped Jesus. See, there was enough semblance of that man on the end, even though he was demon-possessed, he himself wanted to be set free. The other one, apparently, clear he didn't, because there were two of them. Read Matthew's account, you'll see there are two, two demon-possessed. The one got free and the one that got free said he came and worshiped Jesus. The man himself wanted to be free, but he was demon possessed. But you see, there was enough semblance of himself in there that he wanted, he wanted free of those demons and Jesus was able to help him, but the other one didn't get any help. I also think about not because Jesus didn't have the powers because the guy didn't want to get help. And then I think about that, that fortune teller. Remember that Paul cast a demon out of her in Acts the 16th chapter? And if you read it, the Bible says that she followed Paul for many days. Even though she was demon-possessed, it's clear to me she wanted to be free. She, that woman, wanted to be free, but she was bound by the devil. And I tell you what, she followed Paul. She annoyed it. That devil on the inside of her annoyed him. You can read it in Acts, the 16th chapter. Uh, but, but that woman herself wanted to be free. And because she wanted to be free, Paul turned and said to the Spirit, in the name of the Lord Jesus, come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But now she didn't want to get free. Uh, Paul couldn't have got her free. Even though he could have used the name of Jesus on her, he couldn't, could have got her free. We need to understand these things about realms of authority. And uh, speaking of the, the maniac of Gadara, it, it, it's interesting. If you go to Mark, the fifth chapter in the 10th verse, the demons that were in that guy when Jesus was casting the demons out, begged him, begged Jesus not to send them out of that country. See, they didn't want to leave that country. Again, there's different parts of the country where, where, where people will put up with the devil and, and the devil is able to, 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 to uh, exercise great authority in those areas. And apparently in this country, the country of the Gadarenes, uh, the devil, he, he was running roughshod there over that, that country and he was very comfortable. Demons were comfortable there. They didn't want to leave that area and they were operating in that area. And, uh, and so you need to understand this, that the devil and demons can only be bound. Now understand this. They can only be bound in your realm of authority. Okay. As long as people in the community or wherever it is you're at, as long as they're comfortable with the devil 
operating there, there's, there, there's not a lot you can do, but you can, uh, you can keep the devil from operating in your realm, the realm in which, in which you live. And it's important to understand that because I've had people come to me and they say, well, Pastor Terry, let's just run the, let's just run the devil out of the United States. Let's run him out. Let's just run him completely out of, out of the state of Missouri. Let's run him completely out of St. Louis. Let's run him completely out of the city of Fenton. Well, you see, that sounds good, but as long as there's people in the land, whether wittingly or unwittingly, that, 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 that are comfortable uh, with the devil, and, and his activities, as long as that's the case, you can't just go in there and run the devil out because a person's will cannot be violated. But you can keep the devil from operating in your realm of authority. And, uh, and, and that's, that's, that's good to know. I mean, that, that's good to know. So like, in the city of Fenton, I can't, I can't keep the devil from operating in every, in every, every place in the city of Fenton, you know what I mean, or in St. Louis County, but I sure can keep him from operating at Summit Church. I, 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 I can do that because I have authority at Summit Church. You understand that? You can keep him from operating at your house because you have authority at, at, at your house over you and yours, you see. And uh, it's important to under understand that and uh and, and by the way i just uh, before i forget i want to say this uh, uh tornadoes and storms this this is this is good to say this um you have authority in the area in which you live you can keep tornadoes from coming through and tearing tearing your house up you really can now i've done this many times over over the last three decades i tell you what that we we've you know the the newscasters the the weather forecasters here in St. Louis they put a bullseye on St. Louis they said you know uh, there's a, tornadoes coming through and they're going to just wipe out wipe out wipe the area out got to be on guard and I tell you what we've done this numerous times where I did it with the whole congregation you know uh, there'd be a storm warning for you know I remember one time there was a storm warning for Sunday uh, evening and it was supposed to just be just just dreadful and uh, we on Sunday morning we just the congregation I led them and we didn't ask God to stop the storm we spoke to the mountain we spoke to the storm you know Jesus said speak to the mountain well we spoke to the storm and we see you know we said in the name of the Lord Jesus you go north you go south you dissipate or you break up before you get to us you know that sort of thing and uh, I tell you what on one occasion we did this many times uh, now we Nothing in and of ourselves, but we're using the name of Jesus in the realm that we have authority in. And that one, that one afternoon, that one evening, that, that guy calls me on the phone. He said, Pastor Terry, Pastor Terry, look at the radar. And I, I looked on my phone. I looked at the radar. And I tell you what, he said, it broke up right over our church. And it did. It broke up. It, I mean, it, it, and you can see it where half of that storm went north, half of it went south. It just did dreadful damage to the north and to the south. It broke up right around our church. Now, is it because I'm something special? No, it's because we understand the name of Jesus and the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. And we could keep the devil from tearing our, our church up. You understand that? But, uh, Somebody said, they came to me at another time. They said, they said, oh, Pastor Terry, there's a bad storm coming through. Uh, uh, and it was another state. 
and they said, uh, uh, I don't, it was another state in the, here in the United States. And, and my parents live in that, in, in that state and in that town, that town's supposed to be just havoc. And I said, I, I can't, there's, I, I don't have authority there. You know, and I could pray a general prayer for their protection. All right. But I tell you what, when, when something's headed towards your house, you've got authority there. Now I couldn't keep that storm from hitting Fenton, but I could keep it from hitting the church. And praise God. Now, not me, but in the name of Jesus. And we did that many times. Absolutely the truth. And there's many people that uh, eyewitnesses to that, that we did that. See, we understand the name of Jesus and we understand the authority we have in that name. And we were, in, we could, I couldn't keep it from blowing somebody else's house up, but we could keep it from blowing up our church. Absolutely. And isn't that wonderful? But you have to understand some things about realms of authority. Now, uh, last, last, last thing here, and then I'll close this series. Look, if you would, at 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 18. 1 Thessalonians 2, 18. The Apostle Paul says this. He said, uh, therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. Satan hindered us. Now, I'm about to say some things here that will really help you. Satan hindered us. Now, how did Satan hinder the Apostle Paul? Because I've had people come to me and say, well, why didn't he just take the name of Jesus and just 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 render the devil powerless? Well, let me, I'll, I'll tell you how the devil would hindered the Apostle Paul. Now, 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 listen to this. The devil and demons are subject to us in Jesus' name, but people are not. Oh, this is so good. Get a hold of this. This will help you. This will help you. The devil and demons are subject to us in Jesus' name, but people are not. So we have authority over the devil, but we don't have authority over people and over their wills. And notice Paul said Satan hindered us, but look at Acts 13 and we'll see how the devil did it. Look at this, Acts 13, verse 50. But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city they raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. Now you think about that. Now you think about that. See, the devil, if he had just directly himself come against Paul, Paul could have you know, resisted him in the name of Jesus and the devil would have been rendered helpless. I'm convinced of that. But what the devil did is he stirred up he got the jews to stir up devout women and and chief men of the city and you see the apostle paul has authority over the devil but he doesn't have authority over people that the devil are yielding to and that's something that i think would be helpful to all of us to understand yes we have authority over the devil but we don't have authority over the wills of the people that uh, uh you know let me say it again. We have authority over the devil, but we don't have authority over people and their will. If they're, you know, if they're yielding to the devil, we have authority over the devil, but we don't have authority over people who are yielding to the devil. That's a good way to say it. We have authority over the devil, but we don't have authority over people who are yielding to the devil. You understand that? And that's where the problem came in with Paul. And I tell you what, it caused him all kinds of hindrance and, and havoc. And so, uh, you need to realize that I'll, I'll close with a story at summit church over 27 years. 
because this story really illustrates what I just said there. Uh, so listen carefully. Over 27 years, we had very little problem with strife at Summit Church. Very little problem with strife. Now, every church has problems with it. We did have some problems with it, but we had very limited problems with it. And the reason is, is that early on, um, what we would do is, is we would bind up a spirit of strife and we kept it from operating at Summit Church. Absolutely. There is a spirit of strife. The devil and demons, they like to stir up strife. And there are spirits, there really are demon spirits that go and they cause strife in churches. I've watched them attack churches and what I, what I mean by that people in churches and they usually will go for the prominent people and a lot of times the leaders right under the pastor and and they'll they'll get in there and they'll and church members and they'll, they'll stir those people up and all kinds of strife and I tell you the bible says where there's strife there's every kind of evil work and I mean it would just, I've watched it I've watched spirits of strife just tear churches up and I learned this before we ever started uh, Summit Church at the direction of the Lord. And, and early on, I had the prayer people, our, our prayer ministry. I'd tell them, I'd say, now we're going to keep the, spirit, the spirits of strife bound. At, you know, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Spirits of strife need to be bound. And we bound them in the name of Jesus. Now, see, here's the thing. Something else that I learned, if you're out there, this might help you, especially if you're a pastor. Remember the devil came and tempted Jesus, and then the Bible says that uh, he left Jesus for a season or for a more opportune time. And I learned this, that, that what we would do is we would keep the, the spirits of strife, we would bind them, and, uh, and we'd, we'd keep them bound, but, but we didn't just do it one time. We'd, we'd bind them up, and then at the leading of the Holy Spirit, we'd just, yeah, the intervals, sometimes it'd be, you know, sometimes it'd be, be, be once, once, once every couple of months, and then sometimes it'd be once every couple of years, just as the Spirit would lead us, but because it seems like demonic powers will operate in seasons, and be that as it may, but we would keep the, the spirits of strife bound at our church, and uh, we'd do it as the Spirit would direct us, and I tell you what, we didn't stop all strife, but most, we had very little problems with strife. I mean, I had one lady come to me one time, and she and her husband had attended for quite, oh, several months, and, and then I noticed her husband wasn't attending anymore, and I said, what, you know, what, what, I haven't seen your husband. She said, oh, he won't come here. He likes to go to a church where there's always strife and stuff going on. He, she said, that's like entertainment to him, like a soap opera, and, and, and that's not here at this church, so he won't come back here. So I, I took that as a compliment, sad to say that the man wouldn't come back to church, but be that as it may. But, but we kept those spirits of strife. We, we kept them bound, but you can bind the devil, but you cannot bind people that want to yield to the devil. And so with that said, I, I remember over the years, we would have, and maybe this will help help maybe a pastor out there or something. Maybe this will help you. But uh, over the years, sometimes we'd have groups of people come from different churches. You know, and, and, and let me just warn you about that. If you're out there and you're a pastor, just be careful of, of large groups of people that leave a, a church and come to your church. Just be very watchful about that. Because I've had that happen to me over the years. You get a group of people that... You know, all of a sudden they'll show up at your church and come to find out they all left this other church. And uh, 
And, and, and uh, sometimes that can be a real mess, sometimes. And I'm thinking about uh, uh, the last, the last as that happened a few times, and, and there's a couple of times there wasn't a problem, but I tell you, the last time it happened was about 15 years ago. And uh, we always keep these spirits of strife bound, but you can bind the spirit of strife, but you can't bind people that want to yield to it. We had a group come, and and uh, I mean, I mean, they had caused problems at another church, and then they came to our church, and and uh, and I mean, you know, after the honeymoon wore off, you know, because everybody loved their new church for a while till the honeymoon wears off, and then it's a different story. But but so after the honeymoon wore off, I mean, this this was a, now this this was a, a sinister group, vicious group. I have to tell you, they they're like locusts. I mean, there was. There was, I remember there was a man and a, a, a wife. They were a good couple, one good couple, but the rest of them were, were just not. And, uh, very problematic. But they tried to operate in strife and we kept that spirit of strife bound. And they tried to operate in that and we kept, we kept it bound. And now I could say much about it, but just to keep it as brief as I can, we kept that spirit of strife bound. And they couldn't operate in it. Now, we didn't have will over them. We couldn't exercise authority over their wills, but we could keep the devil bound up, at least at the church. And, and we did. And they got so frustrated that in the process of time, they all left, you see. And, 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 and it was good because, you know, you keep strife in a place, it's just going to tear the, tear the thing up. So I tell you what, if you're out there and you're a pastor, I'd recommend, you know, seek the Lord about it, but, but keep the spirit of strife bound up and don't let it operate at your church because you have authority at your church. Now, what do people do when they, when they leave? That's, you you, don't, you have limited authority there, but I tell you at your church, you can keep uh, that spirit of strife from operating. And we did, and, and, and we didn't, we, we weren't a hundred percent free of strife, but I tell you what, we had a very little problem with it. See, cause we understand our authority. We understand the realm in which it operates and we were able to operate in that authority and, uh, uh, keep, keep strife from operating for the most part. So, so anyway, understand that we have authority in the name of the Lord Jesus. We absolutely do and thank God for it. But let's, uh, remember that we have to be submitted to God. And meet that, that requirement. Live right before the Lord. And uh, that's part of our submission to God. And then understand where we have authority and where we don't. Now, there's much more I could say about this subject, but I think I gave you enough for you to chew on for a while. And uh, But if we'll meet our requirements of submission to God and we'll understand where we can operate in, in, in authority and where we can't. And, you know, we have authority over the devil, but not over people. And all of what I've just said, I tell you what, then we can resist the devil when, when, and, and when, when we're in the proper realm and under the proper conditions, I tell you what, you can run the devil flat out and he'll run away from you as in stark raven terror. Bless God forevermore. So hope this helped you. Hey, if you're out there today and you don't know Jesus as your savior, I want to invite you to receive him as your savior. I really, really do. It's important that you do. The Bible says there's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun. The only way to miss hell and make heaven is to repent of your sins and to receive Jesus. And I want to say something, uh, you know, uh, as you know, if you've been watching the news, the Queen of England just passed away. She passed away on Thursday. And you know what? I like the Queen. I really do. I like the Queen. I really do. And uh, But she's passed away. And you know, uh, 
she was the head of the Church of England, if I'm not mistaken. But I use that because it's in the news right now. But I want to tell you, you know, uh, if she went to heaven, it wasn't because she was the queen. And it's not because she was the head of the Church of England. If she went to heaven, it's because she placed her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you're out there and you've never done that, you need, to re- you need to place your faith in Jesus. Receive him, call on his name. He'll come into your heart. You'll miss hell. You'll make heaven. And he'll make your life worth living in the meantime. So I hope this helped you. I hope this was a blessing to you. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.